It's a world we couldn't have imagined 20 years ago. Social media is playing a much bigger role there. Some of those things that we're seeing are, are made for TikTok videos. Those young people are basically aiming to become notorious. They're aiming for the fame that goes with their offending. Some are boasting of their crimes on TikTok. We've also reached out to social media companies as that is a motivator of this offending. Breaking news, Donald Trump is tweeting something right now. A Twitter tirade. Has he been tweeting again this morning? I just heard. Yes, he has been tweeting again. Toronto Blue Jays reliever Anthony Bass is apologizing for a controversial video he posted on his Instagram, which many consider to be anti-2SLGBT. Our lives seem to be ruled by social media now, but it's grown from humble beginnings. Mark Zuckerberg, creator of Harvard's thefacebook.com. If somebody was to put the question to you about the, the magnitude of what you think you've launched, how big do you think your product or your service is? We're at 100,000 people, so who knows where we're going next. Facebook reaches its record amount of users in one day, over a billion people. And now there's an all-out battle between the platform powers, and it's even got physical. It's the battle of the billionaires. After Elon Musk recently challenged Mark Zuckerberg to a potential cage match, and Zuckerberg agreed, the two have yet to physically face off. But the source of their dispute, Zuckerberg's company Meta, is now entering the ring to take on Twitter. Kia ora, I'm Tom Kitchen, and today on The Detail, social media has become a major part of our lives and news media diet. And right now, it's going through some big changes. So we're going to take a look at who's using what, how it's changed, and what's next. Ollie Garside is a training and campaign manager at Mosh Social Media, an Auckland marketing agency. He knows social media back to front, and he takes me through the different big platforms. I guess the big sort of three or four would be Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok is um, kind of definitely on the up and up. Twitter to a le- much lesser extent, although, you know, they're seeing a bit of a resurgence at the moment while everybody logs back into their old accounts to watch the house burn down, I guess. But um, <laughs> What do you mean by this? Well, I mean, they saw, so the last stats that I saw, they had a, a self-reported increase of about 43, like a 43% audience size increase in New Zealand. So they've added a huge amount of people in the long? last 12 months. 12 months. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is essentially people either reactivating old accounts or logging on to basically see what's happened since Elon Musk took over the platform essentially. Is that a global trend? Yeah, definitely. They you know, they keep reporting that they're having like, you know, their biggest traffic levels in history and a lot of it is because people are basically there just to see what the hell is going on essentially. As a business, it's just it just seems to be falling apart. It seems like the company is just in this sort of chaotic spot where it's trying to stay afloat, but it's not necessarily doing it in the most transparent way. We keep getting reports not also just about not paying bills, but they're still in litigation with former employees about paying out severances, etc. At this point, the estimate is that um, under Elon Musk, the company has lost two thirds of its value. He paid $44 billion for it. It's worth something like $15 billion And now. that's not good, right? Um, right, <laughs> right, right, not good. But Facebook's still the big one. Yeah, I mean, Facebook's just shy of 3 million users in New Zealand. And, you know, there's 4.2 million social media users in total. So that's a massive chunk. They are by far and away the largest platform. But 
how has this changed over time? I mean, I remember using Facebook, got into it when I was a teenager, and now I've deleted it from my phone. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm still on it, but I, I'm not using it like I did. Like, So who's using, say, Facebook now compared to what it was 10, 15 years ago? Um, I think you'll find it's a lot of the same people who were using it 10, 15 years ago, but now they're 10, 15 years older. So that the, the sort of the far end of the demographic has kind of shifted. About 35% of the people on Facebook in New Zealand are over the age of uh, 35. So a full third of those users and probably the most prolific ones are sort of in, you know, my parents' generation sort of thing. So they're the ones sharing the cat videos. Yeah, yeah, they're the ones sharing the cat videos and, and all of that, all of that sort of I don't want to say boomerish nonsense, but that sort of stuff. And like the younger generations, a lot of people will still have a Facebook account, but they use it far less frequently. It's not the platform they spend the most time on. But a lot of people will still have one to say, stay in touch with friends and family, but they might only check it a couple of times a week compared to some of the more traditional users who'll be using it multiple times a day. But even just in terms of the fact that it's got so much scale, um, it is still one of the in terms of a marketing platform, it's one of the key ones that people still focus on. I hate to ask you, but what do you mean by boomerish stuff? Um, I think everybody's sort of seen over the last few years that that is where the Facebook tends to be the place where sort of like it's become a little bit more conservative, maybe a little bit more of that platform where sort of mis and disinformation tends to tends to run around. In the wider context of how much content gets put on that platform, it's very different, but you'll find that a lot of the younger people will will browse and consume, whereas the older people are the ones who are creating a lot of the content more more so these days. And I count myself in that. You know, I'm, I'm, I've just had my 40th birthday, so I'm sort of in that range where I was in my early 20s when Facebook became a thing, and I've kind of aged out towards that sort of top end of the, the um, demographic spectrum. I mean, I don't post that much. I just consume. So... Sort of, yeah. You see that the older end tends to post more, the younger end tends to consume more, but they will still have a platform just to stay in touch with friends and family because that's where everybody is. But where are the young people these days? Where are the tweens and the teens? Where are they going? They are very much concentrated in TikTok, still Snapchat as well for like the private messaging. A little bit of Instagram. So like three quarters of Instagram's users in New Zealand are under the age of 35, I believe. Same with TikTok, right? Like under the age of 25 is about two thirds of their user base. And those two platforms have a really close overlap in terms of who uses them. So I think globally, a stat I read recently was there are more users globally who have an Instagram account and a TikTok account than there are users who have Instagram and Facebook. So there's much more of an overlap between TikTok and Instagram than there is between any other social media platforms. Wow, okay. So if we were going to have like a list of most popular to least popular in New Zealand, we'd probably put Facebook at the top. Where would we go? So it would be, I think it was Facebook, then Instagram. Um, a couple of the private messenger platforms like WhatsApp and, um, WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger under that. Then you would see, in terms of time spent on app, I think probably TikTok would come under there as well. Like the global average for TikTok for time spent on an app, right, is about 55 minutes a day, which put that in the context of the average social media user in New Zealand spends just over two hours a day on social media in total. Almost half of that is being spent on TikTok. So it's massive in terms of time spent. What makes it so addictive? I mean, I've downloaded it to have a look at it for work, but you know, I've, <laughs> I'm 10 years younger than you. I've just had my 30th birthday. Nice. So I look at it and then I think, oh, I, I think I, I'm more on the reels 
side of things. Well, it's funny that you say yeah. that because reels were a were a direct response to TikTok by Instagram. It hasn't really worked. Uh, we saw, based on the the reported sort of advertiser audience size, so the amount of people that you can advertise to on these platforms, Instagram lost about just over 200,000 users in New Zealand over the last 12 months, and TikTok gained about 180,000 users. So Why? The way the algorithm works, so the algorithms on those sort of legacy social platforms like Facebook and Instagram, they'll prioritize content that's from either creators that you already follow or your friends and family. TikTok is much more about just finding more content similar to what you're already consuming and delivering you more of that. And that just makes it so much more addictive. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody who's used TikTok in in any sort of amount has had that experience where they think, I'll just check my TikTok and see what's going on. And then the next time they look at their watch, it's been 45 minutes, an hour. Somehow I managed to delete it after about a week. (laughs) I must have looked at it that much. You absolutely had more (laughs) self-control than I did. (laughs) Also, there's Threads. Threads has just come out, hasn't it? Yes. The social media giant Meta, which owns Facebook and Instagram, has officially launched its new app, threads. The app will be linked to Instagram and is widely seen as a potential rival to Twitter. Threads. Uh, it's That has been an entertaining thing to watch. And what I've do you spent mean? And, oh, just the uh, the takeoff. I, I, you know, they're up to the last time Zuckerberg reported it's like they're at 10 million users. Overnight founder Mark Zuckerberg announcing threads reached 10 million signups in its first seven hours. It's insane how, and I mean, they made it real easy, right? If you've got an Instagram account, it's like two touches and you've got a Threads account. Is it a response to Twitter falling behind and failing in the eyes of many? It is absolutely a, you want to say Twitter clone, like the functionality is very similar to Twitter. There's a few key things missing, like hashtags don't work, for example. There's no paid media side to it yet, so you can't really advertise on there. It's all organic. It's felt quite... From, at least from the time that I've spent on it, it's felt quite wholesome. Social media these days is a far cry from what it was. Do you remember the days of MSN? Were you on MSN at all? I was, <laughs> yeah. I loved MSN chat. This is Anna Rafati Connell, Head of Audience and Bulletin Editor at The Spin-Off. Before that, she worked in digital marketing and social media. I was a teenager and I remember when we first got our first computer and it was like Encarta 95 CD-ROM, there was no internet really at that point in terms of kind of everyday users. And I remember the first time with dial-up um, where you could connect into these little messenger apps and um, into message boards and things like that. And it just, you could be talking to somebody on the other side of the world and it felt revolutionary, you know, you could do it in real time. But it was always really different to I think the social media that we know now because people tended to be quite anonymous in messaging kind of apps and on messenger boards everyone had very terrible usernames you know were those like hotmail email addresses yeah (laughs) so some people are still carrying around the legacy of those terrible usernames people didn't tend to use their surnames you know you were kind of just in a sea of people all over the world and it didn't really matter who you were or where you came from do you remember the days of myspace and bebo did you use those at all i do yeah i had myspace and bebo accounts um um, and that was obviously the very beginnings and kind of early days of social media um, pre-Facebook. Uh, and again, you know, that was kind of a funny mishmash of 
I guess it, it was the first place where you could kind of add friends, you know, like friends that you knew in real life. Um, and people were, you know, there were rivalries and people were kind of trying to collect and amass as many friends as possible. But it was really rudimentary compared to what we're used to now. But, you know, those were profiles and platforms that kind of um, predated Facebook but kicked off, I guess, what we know as social media now and that you were yourself on those platforms. Um, they just perhaps weren't quite as all-consuming because we also, most of us didn't have iPhones you know, so we were accessing these kind of on desktop computers after school and stuff. Yeah. How has it changed now? So it's gone from that kind of anonymity, not really ubiquitous, not everywhere to what is social media like now? Would you say how has it changed over that time? Um, I think social media now is kind of all consuming for a lot of people, which isn't to suggest that, you know, people are kind of there and on it all the time. I think it's just highly unusual to come across people that aren't using some form of social media now. We're nearly two decades into the social media era and we're at a point where people are having to kind of consciously choose to opt out of it or put time limits on their phone in terms of use. I think we should probably all understand by now that there are components of social media which are, you know, kind of akin to any form of addictive substance and that they are designed to get you to keep on coming back and deliver a little hit of something, whether it's kind of dopamine or, you know, just an ego ego boost. But I think so many people's social media identity and their kind of real identity have merged in a lot of ways now. So it's quite difficult to separate the two. If you do and say something online that is taken as you doing and saying something online, which is really different from the way it was yeah. 15, 20 years ago. In this addictive, all-consuming world, social media platforms and their owners have been hitting the headlines. As Ollie calls it, tech bros are having a petty fight. It is very much... Like, especially with the threads thing, right? Like, you've got Elon Musk calling out Mark Zuckerberg for a for a cage match in the Colosseum in Italy, in Rome, for example, and then immediately backtracking on it because he said that his mum's said that he's not allowed to do it, which is even more <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> the world's sometimes most wealthy man in the world, Elon Musk, his mother May says the fight between her son Elon and meta owner Mark Zuckerberg ain't happening. Uh -oh. She tweeted, quote, actually, I cancelled the fight. That's just how this technology infrastructure works, right? It's just it's much more visible now in terms of the people who run it. Elon Musk, he's taken it very seriously and he's gotten very mad about it to the point where I actually saw a dude on threads yesterday who said that he has been locked out of his, his Tesla app account because he has threads installed on his phone. So it's like a screenshot of his oh, the, the, the app to manage his Tesla and it says, you've got an app installed that violates our terms of use. Please uninstall threads and Instagram app so that you can continue to use your <laughs> Tesla app. <laughs> so he's been Crazy. a little bit petty about it. Yeah, well, those are some of the recent dramas that we've seen, eh? Mm. Like a bit of pettiness, a bit of a fight between the tech bros. What kind of recent dramas have you been in the world of social media? I mean, oh, outside of that, there's, you know... There's the ongoing sort of slow decline of Twitter. Um, it's just been going on for the last sort of few months. It's taken away a few of its features and made them pay only. 
that was ostensibly like it was it was put out there with the public face on that was to basically say if you've got skin in the game in terms of your social media presence you're much more likely to be upfront about your contribution to the the marketplace of ideas right like if you you are paying to be able to be have your message amplified and put front and center in front of people then you know the fact that you then have to have some sort of um, skin in the game in terms of what you say Basically, they were looking for any way possible to turn Twitter into a profitable platform. It has almost never been profitable. You know, like Facebook and Instagram, for example, they are much better at making their platform profitable. So essentially, when Elon Musk was forced to buy it, he had to figure out a way to turn it around and make it profitable pretty quickly. So part of that was firing three quarters of the workforce. Um, the other part of that was trying to, to monetize verification, which, in my opinion completely you know undermines the idea of verification in the first place right like the whole idea behind verification on most social platforms was to show that this person is who they say they are you turn that into a space where you can just anybody can pay for that blue check then all that that verifies is that you're paying eight bucks a month for twitter it doesn't actually verify that you are you know who you say you are the numbers very much prove that it hasn't worked hasn't made them money it hasn't made them profitable there's a very very small percentage of Twitter users who have paid for it. Yeah, there's also that tweet limit as well, isn't there? You can only see yeah. a certain number of tweets. Is it a thousand a day or something like that? I think it was depends on what you've if you're if you're blue check verified, I think it's eight thousand or maybe six thousand. I, I think a lot of that's been loosened a little bit now. Um so these are just different ways to try and monetize it and make it more profitable. I mean, if you were cynical, maybe that could be why part of the reason why. The reason he gave for that was that they were trying to combat um, scrapers, so web scrapers that were basically um, costing them money in server time because they were scraping all of the tweets that were going out. Web scraping means using bots to mine data from a website, which can then be used for a whole range of things like targeted advertising, creating fraudulent websites and stealing information. Twitter's not the only platform under fire. The US is threatening to ban TikTok for all Americans. New Zealand's government has become the latest to ban TikTok on devices with access to its parliamentary network. The whole the whole issue is about sort of foreign intervention in the data protection for TikTok. Mm. In my opinion, yeah, there's genuine concerns um, about how that data is treated. But it's interesting that TikTok has kind of been the one that they've been focusing on when there's been, you know, historically all of these social media platforms have had issues with with data protection. You know, you had all like the Cambridge Analytica scandals for Facebook back in the day. Is it because it's a Chinese app? Yeah, pretty much because it has that close ties to ByteDance, which have close ties to the the Chinese Communist Party. So it's yeah, it's it's scaring a few people who are in the halls of power. So that's why, you know, you can't have a phone installed on a parliamentary phone anymore. You can't have TikTok installed on that. Um, any, you know, high-level government phones in the US can't have TikTok on them anymore. So where that goes, you know, and, and the reasons behind it, I'm not 100% sure, but it's probably going to be a continuing problem for them, I would say. A growing social media has for years been crashing into the world of a shrinking traditional media. The big multinational companies have used their market power to ignore the creators uh, of the news content that they profit from. In Canada and in Australia, that's led to new laws. And Rafati Connell says regulation is in the works here too. Looking at how those large social media companies, technology companies, uh, might 
be able to, I guess, contribute to media and, and journalism. The argument is that the social media platforms benefit from the content that is being produced by news organisations, whether that be via search or on social media. So in terms of people staying on platforms or spending time on social media platforms, the argument is that news media organisations create content that helps keep audiences on those platforms. And so proponents of regulation that say technology companies should in some way be paying for this argue that it's a form of kind of compensation, I guess, for the content that is being created by media. What we are looking at doing, the the shape of how that regulation might look, um, it looks like it'll be a form of legislation. You've got track record in Australia where the government legislated around social media companies uh, paying for, I guess, the right to to show media content on their platforms. That got into some tricky territory because after the Australians kind of passed this legislation or were in the process of negotiating, for a couple of days, Meta pulled all news media content off their platforms. Like so many other places around the world, Facebook is almost an internet within the internet for Australian users. But those Australian users woke up on Thursday with no access to news on their Facebook feeds. And that comes as Facebook and the the Australian government are in this very deep public war about who pays for news content. So they did that for a couple of days. There is, there's an element of kind of a game of chicken here between governments and social media platforms in terms of um, pushing each other to the brink. The same thing's going on in Canada at the moment. So Canada have a raft of law going through which kind of covers online safety, but there are some specific elements around forcing social media companies to pay media companies for essentially having their content on their platforms. Tech giants say the law is unfair and unworkable, that it's basically a tax on links and doesn't recognise the web traffic these digital companies provide to news outlets. The EU, which is obviously a fairly large geopolitical uh, alliance, uh, looking at data privacy. So making sure that, you know, if you sign up to a social media platform, you can delete it easily. They have something called the right to be forgotten, which means that if you want to essentially erase your presence online, you should be able to do that. If these platforms want to target you with advertising, the EU are now asking that those platforms have explicit consent from you to do that. New Zealand has just, in the last month, uh, launched a proposal which is around online content regulation. Part of what they seem to be very hot on in, in that proposal is a bid to regulate social media platforms. We've never really tried to do it in this country. A new industry-wide regulator has been proposed independent of government. While it would cover traditional television and radio broadcasters, it's the first time this type of regulation would apply to online platforms too, including overseas social media giants. Obviously, those companies are subject to New Zealand law, but the tricky thing with social media platforms is that they're global. The internet, to a certain extent, is borderless, um, and they're very, very large and influential platforms and, and profiles. And I think... It's good to see a country as small as New Zealand alongside bigger players like Canada, Australia and the EU looking at reclaiming some national sovereignty back. 
Do you think these platforms are ever going to fail? They're ever going to, we're ever going to move on from them? That's, yeah, that's a hard question to ask, right? Because, you know, when MySpace was at its peak, if you'd asked that same, me that same question, I'd be like, no, it's, everybody uses MySpace. What are you on about? So, I mean, it's kind of unprecedented the scale that these platforms are at now, you know, billions of users. I'd say social media as a concept probably isn't going away anytime soon. The ways that we use it and how much influence we let it have will definitely change but I, yeah, I don't see those platforms going away anytime soon no. That's it for today, I'm Tom Kitchen The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund Today's episode was engineered by Phil Bench Our producers are Alexia Russell and Bonnie Harrison Thanks to Oligar Side and Anna Arafati Kono Hey Konah